Welcome to Murder and Mimosas. Just a quick disclaimer before we get started. Our show is Murder and Mimosas. It's a true crime podcast. This means that we do discuss crimes, including but not limited to disappearances, murder, and sexual assaults. All our episodes are told with the respect of the victims and the victims' families in mind. We strive to ensure that we provide factual information, but some information is more verifiable than others. With that, grab your mimosas and let's dive in. Welcome back to Murder and Mimosas. I'm Danica. And I'm Shannon. Today, we are covering a case that has a little bit of everything. Mass murder, polygamy, child abuse, sexual assault, incest, occult, and even more stuff, really. Whoa! This sounds intense. What is today's case? It's the most horrific case to ever be seen in Fresno. That person's name is Marcus Wesson. Before we get into the many deaths, let's begin with Marcus's life growing up. Marcus Delon Wesson was born August 22, 1946 in Kansas to Benjamin and Carrie Wesson. He had three younger siblings. According to Wesson, his father was an alcoholic and an abuser, while his mother was a religious freak. Sounds like a match made in heaven, but just out of curiosity, what religion did she practice? So she was part of the Seventh-day Adventist, which Marcus was also raised to be a member of. If you want to know a little bit about that, we talk about it in the Ant Hill Kids episode, and we go into a little more detail of what that is. But anyway, while Marcus was still a child, his father abandoned the family, which he was an alcoholic and abuser, so probably best. His mother moved to San Bernardino, California. Marcus dropped out of high school in 1966 and joined the Army, where he was an ambulance driver for two years. Once he left the military, he moved in with a woman named Rosemary and her eight kids. Wow, that is a lot of kids. Talk about ready-made family. Well, apparently it wasn't enough kids because in 71, Rosemary gave birth to a son fathered by Marcus. Whoa, has she heard of birth control? It's the 70s, so probably not. In 74 is where Marcus starts becoming an awful human being. Oh my gosh. So what does he do? Well, he starts sexually abusing Rosemary's eight-year-old daughter, Elizabeth. And then when Elizabeth turned 14, Marcus marries her. Uh, Wait, hold up. What did you say? He managed to marry her? Yeah, at 14. So she had to have given consent, right? She's only 14. Well, guessing by the fact that four months after they married, she gave birth to Marcus's child. I would say that might have something to do with it. But according to Elizabeth herself, her mother did agree to the marriage. However, this child that she gives birth to is just the first of what would be 10 living children between her and Marcus. Again, that is a lot of children. I know God said multiply. I don't know if he meant this much. Okay. Are this crazy. Well, to add to the group, Elizabeth's younger sister dropped her seven children off with Elizabeth and Marcus because she couldn't take care of them because she had a drug problem. How are Marcus and Elizabeth making money? This is a lot of mouths to feed. Well, Marcus never really maintained a job. He mostly lived off welfare. And when his children were of working age, they had to give Marcus their paychecks. Okay, well, where did they live with a family of this size? Um, well, they stayed in one place about as well as Marcus held a job. The family lived in dilapidated shacks, vacant homes, and even boats. Wow. Yeah. And the children, of course, didn't attend traditional school, but instead were homeschooled by Marcus. Marcus forbade Elizabeth to have anything to do with the children's upbringing. It's 
also probably comes as no surprise that Marcus was abusive to both his wife and his children. So is this wives, did they get a divorce and his first wife move on or? I guess, it's, yeah, like she's not, he's just with okay. the daughter of okay. his first wife. That's weird to say. Anyway, yes. let's talk a minute about the curriculum that Marcus taught when he homeschooled the children. His main text he taught from was his own handwritten Bible. It said things like Jesus was a vampire, that Marcus was in fact God, and they needed to prepare for Armageddon, and most sick of all, that the girls were intended to be his wives to Marcus. Wait, aren't these girls his daughters? Well, his daughters and his nieces, but yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. To make matters worse, the girls were taught oral sex as part of their schooling at a very young age, on Marcus, obviously. There are five girls in total who suffered this abuse by Wesson. Two of them were his daughters, and three were his nieces, who he began raping at age eight. At some point, each of the five girls that were being raped by Marcus became pregnant with his children. Along with this, they were required to perform, quote, domestic duties, like washing Marcus's dreads. And if you see a picture of him, there it it's like a whole bunch. It's a lot of hair. Okay, a lot of dreads. Scratching his head probably because he has so many dreads, and his armpits, scratching his armpits. So the girls were forbidden to speak to their brothers or their mother. Did anything happen to the sons or nephews? Not to the same degree. He wasn't sexually abusing them like he was the girls, but they were taught the same curriculum. You know, Jesus is a vampire, Marcus is God, and were physically abused by Marcus, just like the girls. Actually, I have a quote from Adrian four years after his father's conviction. And he says, quote, he was all I knew. He was my dad. He was God. I was mortally afraid of him. There were times as a child when I could not speak, when I would defecate in my pants, when I could not walk for a week because the beatings were so bad, end quote. In the same article where that quote came from, Adrian recounts being beaten for two hours by his father for asking his mother to roll down the car window. Oh my gosh, that is so sad. I also read in the article as well that if the children moved or cried during the beatings, that they would continue to be longer. Um, so his father was merciless. In 2003, Marcus managed to buy an office building in Fresno that he moved his family into. However, the city was moving to evict them from the property because it wasn't for residential use. Clearly, this home that they were living in is in no way, shape, or form a loving or nurturing home. So let's talk about March of 2004. During this time, Marcus decides and begins to tell people of his plan to move his family from Fresno to Washington State, likely because of the eviction that I mentioned that was in the works. The big problem, though, comes on March 12th, when two of his nieces, Ruby and Sophina, who had rebelled from Marcus in their adult lives, demanded that Marcus give back their daughters. However, those daughters are also Marcus's daughters, so there's that. Of course, Marcus was not giving in that easily because what kind of power would he have over his remaining family if he just gave in to these women? So Ruby and Safina left the home and returned with the police around 2.30 p.m. that day. They felt that this was nothing more than a custody dispute with the cops, but what unfolded next was so much more than just a custody dispute. When police arrived, Marcus retreated into the home. A neighbor said that between 2.30 and 3, that she heard a few gunshots 
that was followed by screaming. Wow, that would be terrifying. Especially because that neighbor said she also had young girls. So she felt like it was just really close to home. So that was hard for her. The police on the scene called in the SWAT team. Two late hours later, Marcus comes out of the home and he surrenders. He is also covered in blood. Marcus was obviously taken into custody. As the police entered the home, they were faced with a horrific scene. In the front room of the house, and that's actually, there's more than... building? Yeah. And to what they were living in a home. Um, I had some conflicting. Some say it was in the front room of the home. Some say it was in the back room of the home. But there are multiple caskets that Marcus had bought months prior oh from an antique shop. Now... They were supposedly for him to use this wood to build furniture, but I don't know if I buy that. I think I could find cheaper wood than some antique caskets. Yeah. That's just me. In the back room of the house, though, is something even more sinister than a bunch of caskets. Nine bodies of Marcus's daughters and grandchildren were discovered deceased and stacked up. All but two of them were under the age of nine years old. Each had been shot through the eye. We're going to take a second and listen to Chief Jerry Dyer talk about his experience when he went on to scene. It was um, something that I don't think anyone in law enforcement will ever forget. Um, you know, an incestuous relationship that we had never seen. And then we found out um, about their belief systems. Um, and, you know, it appeared uh, on, on every indication that this was a cult. Had such incredible influence over his children and his wives that this was the outcome that he was able to control the mind of people to do the unthinkable uh, very similar to what uh, Charles Manson did so let's talk a bit about the trial Marcus was represented by public defenders Peter Jones and Ralph Torres the defense they provided was that Marcus's 25 year year old daughter had been the one to commit the murders and then killed herself Now, do bear in mind that her own toddler son was one that was killed, so I have a hard, hard time with this. The reason they used this defense, though, was that the twenty-two caliber was found with her body, which I don't know how that means anything, and with her DNA on it. Please tell me the jury didn't buy this, and did they do a gunshot residue test on her? I could not find where they did a gunshot residue test on her or him, but as to did the jury buy it, yes and no. They chose not to find that Wesson fired the shots that were fatal, but they did convict him on murder on the grounds that they felt he likely persuaded his children into a suicide pact. His final verdict came down on June 17, 2005, of nine counts of first-degree murder and 14 counts of forcible sexual assaults. This made him eligible for the death penalty, which he received on June 27, 2005. Praise the Lord. But my question is, why wasn't this a bigger news story? So if you think back to 2004, 2005 time, you may remember that the Scott Peterson case was huge news. It dominated all of the mainstream media. Now, I'm only speculating, but assuming that Marcus and his victims were black and Scott Peterson and his victims were white, I personally think that That's one reason why Scott Peterson was all over the news while Marcus Wesson was not. I say this mainly because this is, and if I'm not mistaken, still is 
the largest mass killing in Fresno since 1993. Okay, so Mark and Marcus Wesson, where is he now? Marcus is now 76 and housed on death row in San Quentin Prison in California, where he will likely live out the rest of his life because he probably won't actually face death row. All the appeals. Right. And because of his age. I mean, by the time they're done, they're not going to, he's not going to be physically fit to kill, which is wild to me that that's even the thing they have to. I mean, I do realize the Scott Peterson case was big. I just can't imagine not hearing about this. This is insane. I know. This is a cult. With so much, it's so many things. I mean, when I said at the beginning that it had everything, it has everything. Okay, so do we know anything about what happened to Elizabeth or the children or anything like that? Does she ever try to leave? So she did try to leave, but he basically threatened her life. There is a quote that she says it's in that survivor one that her son came from. And we'll have the link to that in our show notes if you want to read it. It's got a lot of information that was just really kind of heartbreaking. But her quote said, he practically raised me. As a child, Marcus was in my home. My mom said he could marry me. He always told me how children should be raised. I think no matter what I had done, this would have ended in tragedy, end quote. She was actually there the day that he killed their children. Well, they weren't all her children, but her children and his children with her relatives. Yeah, his children, his children with her children, whatever, her grandchildren, I guess. Um, But she said that when she saw him go after their daughter, Elizabeth, who was 17, that she just ran. Um, She didn't know why, and she's got a lot of regret about running. Um, But really, I don't think she could have done anything. I mean, he would have just shot her too. And I think she was probably so brainwashed that she didn't know how to go up against him. I mean, since she was eight, you know, he has groomed her. So, I don't know, I have a lot of sympathy for her. But at the same time, that's true. But I'm so angry with her mother. I mean, her mother obviously left. Why don't you take your children? Why did you agree to to let him marry her? Why didn't you get her out of this situation? There's so many questions I have. I would love to see her mother. I just want to be her mother. I know. And then it makes me crazy. Like, I know that her sister had a drug problem and couldn't raise those kids. But you saw what he did to your sister and you still leave your kids with him. And now he's doing it to your kids and you don't even care. Um, But drugs can make you do a lot of crazy things. That's true. Elizabeth does say that she will never have peace with what happened that day. Um, That she really just focuses now on her children that survived. Uh, She had a quote that says, um, quote, I want my children to have hope. I don't want them to be known as, oh, that's Marcus's son. That's the baby killer's son. I want my children to know that they can succeed and not be judged by what Marcus did. End quote. And I think that's, we kind of forget, we think about the victims that died, but even his like kids that survived this, his nieces that survived this, his sons, his wife, like they're still all victims too because they have to live with this. They are, and they're going to need so much counseling. And how, I mean, they're brainwashed. So how do you even get that out of their head? Like 
he's not God. He's not a vampire. How do you even get that out of their head when that's all they've ever known? Yeah. I mean, it's just crazy. And they've been through physical abuse. The girls have been through sexual abuse. Like, it's just, it's a lot to have to process. She, I mean, since she was eight, has been in some form of abuse and grooming. And when this all happened, she's like in her 40s. So, I mean, this was her whole life. That's true. That's, that's so sad. She's never, never going to get past this, I don't think. I mean, I don't know how you do. Um, I know his son said a quote that said, quote, for the first time in our lives, we are free. And that's just scary to think. Like, they went their whole lives. Because his adult sons had moved out. But you know that they were still loyal to That's their dad true. because they were still giving him money. And then they also have learned this behavior and brainwashed to this is this is the correct way of living. This is what marriage and love looks like. So I can't even imagine what their relationships are, their lives are like. Yeah, I can't imagine. There is one little thing that I think is really interesting. A television reporter for Fox News in Fresno actually took in, invited in some of the female members from the Wesson family to live with her. Um, She said she felt a lot of compassion. Their house had become a crime scene and they had nowhere else to go, Um, which I think is really nice of her. I don't know that I could do that. That's really compassionate. I don't think I could either. I would just be scared of what I was getting into. Yeah, because you, I mean, clearly they have not lived a, quote, normal life. Mm -hmm. So you're bringing them into your home. I don't know if she had children or anything, um, but, you know, I think that was really sweet of her. She ends up being the author of Where Hope Begins, which is about the Wesson family. Um, and I think she may have been the author of the article that is about the survivors. Um, I think it's really great that she focused on the living survivors and not just on the ones that are no longer here because the ones that are here are still surviving and I'm sure it's a survival thing mm. every single yes. day. I mean, you can't just forget that happened. You're even scared probably to leave your house because you're, you're not, you weren't allowed to for so many years. You don't even know that that's allowed. Yeah. I mean, until you were a working age and then you were just put to work to make money. I mean, you were a cash cow. Um, so, yeah, this case is, blows my mind how crazy it is, how many things it entails but that it wasn't mainstream media news. Yes, I'm amazed that we haven't all heard way more about this. Yeah, I will put pictures up um, of everyone I can find. Of course, some of them I don't have pictures of. The itty-bitty ones that that passed that day, I don't have um, pictures of. I do have pictures of the two nieces that went to um, get their children, which good for them. Um, It's actually when they're teenagers and they're pregnant with said children. Um, And then I'll post a picture of Marcus and his wild hair let me listen i don't have to show you a picture because i don't think i can put it into words it'll be on our instagram which is murder.mimosas oh dude does have some hair imagine having to scratch that no i mean why do you even want somebody to scratch it when i have an itch i want to do it myself because i don't want to tell you five times no over here over here no 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 because he doesn't want to touch his hair either i would not want to touch that mess either so i'll post pictures of that um, of him, of uh, some of his victims, some of his family members. It'll be at murder.mimosas on Instagram. Uh, we would love for you to discuss this case. If you've heard of it, you know, what are your thoughts? If you're just now hearing about it, 
What are your thoughts? Uh, you can find us at Murder and Mimosas Podcast on Facebook. Also on Twitter at Murder.Mimosas. If you have a case that maybe should be more mainstream like this one, send it to us in an email at murder.mimosas.gmail.com. We love these cases because they aren't mainstream. You know, Scott Peterson, everyone's covered. Until I did this research, I did not know about Marcus Wesson. And I think everybody should know about Marcus Wesson because it's crazy. Yes. So in the meantime, have a good weekend. Have a momosa on us. Bye. Bye.